0: Good morning, Manish. How are you?
1: Rocking, rocking. Couldn't be better, bro. Welcome to session number five.
0: Yeah, happy to be here. Happy to be here. Nice plants See? behind you. Yeah, nice man. Nice atmosphere. Sitting in,
1: sitting in my favorite cafe. I just came across rather a statistic where I found that uh, a statement was made about the podcasting bit that 70% of podcasts that begin don't even reach the fifth episode. Wow.
0: So we made the fifth so episode, we, right? So we Sorry. made the fifth
1: episode. So we are already in the 30%. Call for a celebration. Absolutely. <laughs> so so what are we talking about today? Jay?
0: Behavioral biases, behavioral okay. finance. And to me, personally, Manish, behavioral finance is as important, if not more important than, than traditional finance. And I first came okay. across behavioral finance in the CFA curriculum, but I've actually read watch videos and and just try to learn so much more because it tells you more than than you than any finance kind of textbook or finance literature tells you about what is going on in the markets you know right you see everything from everything from GameStop to Tesla to S&P trading at 23 times to all of these things can explain can be explained by interest rates but with traditional finance but i think it can be explained better with behavioral finance
1: yeah as as some of the legendary investors say investing is 90 percent mindset and 10 percent skill so it looks on the outside like it's 99 percent skill and one percent mindset but people who actually play the game realize it's 90 percent mindset
0: absolutely i mean i always tell people that especially one and a half year being on the job before coming into the job I was telling you, Manish, I'm I'm joining Binod's podcast today, but I I talked about this a little bit, where I said before joining the job, you have this kind of, you think everybody in the job is just at a level of intellect that you will never be able to get to. But that's absolutely not true. Step one. Step two is that these people, now including myself, we don't make rocket science decisions, but where We, how we stay ahead of the curve, or how we stay ahead of our peers, is really a function of our mindset. Absolutely. And and we'll we'll talk a little bit about the behavioral biases I see on my job. And Manish, I know you're going to be talking about a couple of behavioral biases you see in your job too.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. To me. To me, behavioral biases predominantly really comes down to faulty processing. Just faulty processing, you know, of of information, of situations, of what you read, what you see, of what portfolio you hold, and that faulty processing many a times is mental, like intellectually faulty, or it's just emotionally faulty. But yeah. behavioral biases are just. It's it's just like in front of you, but you can't see it. It's, it's like you know, uh, like an analogy I'd like to give is that the fish is in water, but the fish doesn't realize it's in water because so that's the whole world. You know, yeah. it's like it's like Matrix movie. I'm in Matrix, but I don't even know I'm in a Matrix. So behavioral biases are something that it's it's there, it's running you, but you don't even know it's running you. You know, absolutely. So, so and we're it's gonna, very we're gonna be,
0: difficult to we'll talk a little bit about how we can kind of gravitate away from. A behavioral bias. What is very and it's very difficult, especially if those are emotional. You know what Manish mentioned is closer to cognitive. Cognitive meaning they are errors due to faulty processing or or just the way you process information. You kind of but but the emotional part of things is is very difficult to change. And yeah. you know, I know that that my boss, yeah, he has a lot of experience, and he's and 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 maybe these emotional biases have worked for him, and and that's completely all right. But it's very difficult to be like uh, you are making an emotional decision here. You can't tell him that, right? It's very difficult to change somebody who has been successful for so long and believes that this is that he's right, and 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 he could be right. But understanding the rationale and and what and why he's saying these things is an emotional bias. That it's very difficult to tell him this is an emotional bias. You should you know play devil's advocate, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's very difficult to have that conversation. So yeah, you know it's such a beautiful
1: quote I have in front of me there. It says we don't see things as they are; we see things as we are. So yeah. that that's predominantly behavioral bias in the simplest manner possible, and. And no wonder most investors, when I say most investors, I would I'm referring to the best investor, the legendary investor, the GOAT as we call it greatest of all time all of them refer to you know importance of being self aware yeah. even before you play the game importance of being self aware many a times time when investing the game is I want to own what the other guy owns I want to buy what the other guy buys I want to buy the tip that the other guy gave me even fund managers there you will also agree with me many a time fund managers have a portfolio which reflects what others are also holding so that it is easier if it fails then all of them fail together it's very difficult Richard, to be a contrarian as a fund manager also
0: Richard absolutely i mean i could not attest to that even more you know i have personally like in in our job we are very kind of we don't follow the herd we don't i mean we say it and we actually do it and i can attest to that we do exhibit other emotional but other behavioral biases but following the herd is not one of them but you know i can i we have visibility because it's according to the GIPS you have to show your holdings i think every two or three months (laughs) And so I know what other fund managers hold, and there is one hundred percent a level of overlapping without naming naming names. You know, arguably the biggest or the second biggest money manager in the region is primarily he is a closet indexer, he or she is a closet indexer. He's someone who literally follows the index, maybe has claiming claiming to be an active manager. There is an immense amount of active share. You know, there is an immense Mm. amount of. Mm differences between the benchmark but Mm. the differences between the benchmark is kind of like if one is 10 he's 11 he has maybe like four or five fully blown alpha calls fully blown Mm. when i say is like benchmark is 0.2 and he's five Mm. there's about three or four calls like that Mm. whereas for us we have 25 calls that are not even in the benchmark Mm. and we have 25 calls that Literally mimic the benchmark. That's the way we've structured the portfolio. So we're open to our investors. We tell our investors 25 calls, we don't, we literally track the index. We track the index and we don't want to lose that risk. So we, 25 calls is just the index. The other 25 calls is where we get to be artists, where we get to but, show but this work. is this
1: is the process that you're doing. But I'm but I'm sure if another fund manager was to look at your portfolio and try to mimic your portfolio, just because he doesn't want to be behind your firm if your firm's number one in fund management, and that is where behavioral biases gets And So instead of the person taking his own call, he's just taking a call to mimic something else, like like the fund you're referring to is mimicking to a great extent maybe the index if it's an index fund, understandable if it's a closet index fund, understandable but if it's an actively managed fund being sold as an actively yeah. managed fund but mimicking an index then again that's what behavioral bias kicks and where i don't want to be wrong again guys no, this absolutely. is where you realize investing happens it's just that your emotion precedes your decisions and you know
0: when i let the thought marinate in my head it makes a lot of sense to be like this company. There's a reason they're the biggest. The reason they're the biggest is because they can they can consistently outperform the benchmark. Because 80% is the benchmark. Only 20, I would say 10 to 20 percent of full-blown alpha calls that is also not a, a different geography or sector from the benchmark. So they still stick mm. with those geography and sector weights. It's just a complete tilt to a you know. A security that is going to... Everybody is priced in at least 30% year-on-year growth for, for, mm. for these four or five companies. And it's everybody mm. has these four or five companies in their active portfolios, you know? So all the peers have it. They have it too. But it makes sense that they are 80% benchmark because when you get to, you know, a really high level of AUM, it's difficult to get more money. Because if you get more money, who knows? Like if you're a $5 billion fund, for instance, you cannot invest in more than three companies in the UAE, for instance. Right. It's just, it's impossible. Unless you want to mm. own 10% of the company, you can't. And so it makes sense that for, it, it, you could argue it's a behavioral bias. You could also argue that it's a long-term way of just making sure that the AUMs will stick. But other than that, you know, there's... An immense amount of behavioral bias
1: there. I guess let's get on to examples so that at least people could get a hint of real life examples that both of us go in our professions. Which I'm sure people who are listening to this podcast also will realize how this is happening around them and they didn't even know this is behavioral bias. Maybe you were just exactly. thinking of the maybe maybe when you listen to our example, you you will start questioning the people that you thought were really intellectual and smart people. You might just you might just realize that you were being tricked by your own behavioral bias exactly. and confusing yeah. it for intellect of people. Or, or your own intellect rather.
0: Absolutely. I mean, so Jay, you want to go first? Yeah, for sure. The first one I see is is hindsight. And, and this is the FOMO bias. Right? Yeah, I like to call it the FOMO bias. The fear of missing out. This is, you know, hindsight is one term and there's numerous behavioral biases that kind of come together with this one term. But if you think of FOMO, FOMO, herding behavior, all of these things come together, right? You see people buy the same stocks, they buy the same tips. And say, for instance, when I give Manish a tip, I've given Manish 10 tips. And I, and I tell Manish, Manish, go buy Imar, go buy, you know, let's say for lack of a better example, I'm, I'm naming stocks in, in, in U.S., But let's say I say, Manish, go buy Facebook, go buy Amazon, go buy Walmart. And I give him 10 names. But when I tell him on a new idea again, I only tell him the idea that was successful in the past. So I'll only tell him the one success. I've not reminded him about the nine failures. And in Manish's head, he's like, oh, wow, this guy's amazing. He's a genius. Because I reminded him of the one success that I had. But what he doesn't realize is he's not asking me what about the nine failures that I've had? And I I, I see analysts do this all the time, where they they kind of have this. I was I was right, or they they want to. It's called ego defense mechanisms, right? Mm-hmm. I you want to defend your ego. So for the wrong things you do, you blame it on others. Self or,
1: or, or you forget it. it. Or you forget
0: it. You either forget yeah. it or you blame it on others. Yeah. And for the correct things you do, or even if you have a slight role to play in it, you know, for instance, if I told Manish to invest in 10 stocks, Manish invested in Apple out of the 10 stocks, he was successful. I will take credit for that. So that's, there's two sides to that, right? And the problem with that is you make decisions based on other people telling you only the good, only the good things, not the bad things. And then you have a little bit of regret there. You're like, you know, when you see Bitcoin go to 59, for instance, you're like, dude, I saw this at 30, why is it at 59 I should buy? It. That is all, and I've had very, very high net worth individuals come to me and, and you know, have this lev- have this mentality where if Amazon is at 3,000, today it's at 2,500, it'll go back to 3,000, you know. That kind of level of understanding is is just, it, it all stems from the one thing of FOMO. It's just the fear of missing out, Bitcoin's at 58, 59. If it falls back to 55, there's going to be people being like, oh, it's at 55, let's buy it. It'll, it'll go back to 60. That's one key bias that I see, you know, and you can you can use this to explain GameStop going from, you know, 50, 70 to three 400, then going back to 50, 70, then going back to 200. You can use this to explain that. You can also use this to explain Bitcoin. You can use this to explain S&P being at 23 times, Apple being at 35 times, Amazon being at 32 times. You, know, you can use this to explain a lot of things. But hindsight is 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 a very is is something I see on the job continuously. I'll give one more example of hindsight where I saw my colleague telling me about his friends, and this is a fundamental analyst who's telling me about his friends that have made money trading and you know this is a trading is a pure example of hindsight it's a it's also a pure example of recall like you're only you're listening to these people who you're listening to only the success stories nobody's telling you about the failure it's like
1: it's like you know it's it's like it's like everyone everyone just making an attempt to look good in front of others you know yes. so that so that i'm looked upon and and considered as as a genius maybe exactly. that's why everyone just shares their they are. They are. They are success. successes. No one shares their failures. Yeah. Everyone. It's, like, it's and, like you know. Everyone shares the lifestyle, but no one shares the debt that is funding it. Absolutely. You
0: know? And I see that live. Like you know, you see people. Like just to give an example outside the world of finance, you know, you have all these people being like Steve Jobs didn't graduate college, Mark Zuckerberg didn't graduate college, and they've made it this far. It's creating this pornographic view of what the real world of being in these companies is you think Zuckerberg is going to hire you if you've not joined, if you've not graduated college no
1: no means they only hire people from Harvard, eh, MITs and Caltechs. Yeah, it's not that they are looking for dropouts only, unless your work is as good as Zuckerberg was when he was just in the middle of college.
0: and exactly, and there's and there's so many entrepreneurs who have failed, whether they dropouts or not is different. But you never see the failures; you only see the successes. And because you only see the successes, and because people are only reminding you of the successes, it causes you to follow the herd. It, it makes hurt,
1: people believe in the heroic possibility of themselves. Like if my last week's blog, Jay, I don't know if you read my last week's blog, was exactly on this thing. The whole Marvel, okay, phenomenon has made us believe that we also are Iron Man and Superman. Like without doing the basics, alright. If you didn't read the blog, I'll send you the link again, maybe. Alright, that that everyone believes that without doing, without focusing on the processes or without doing the grind. I'm also going to be able to shine. No, it doesn't happen. Like one of my favorite quotes in life is if you want to shine like the sun, you've got to be willing to burn like the sun. Wow, you know? Yeah. But I, I just wanted to share hindsight bias, all right? From a very non-investment point of view, so that you know some of you listening could understand is that when you lend money to someone and if that person disappears with your money, you automatically have this statement, bhag jayega. No, you didn't know. But the moment that happens, you're giving a story or making up a story. I knew this guy was you know, run away with my money or, or, or you had a bad relationship and, uh, and and that didn't work out. You're like, I knew this is not going to work. No, you didn't know it's not going to work out. Otherwise, you wouldn't invest yeah. in it. Your Absolutely. mind makes up stories on the go. On the go. And you don't even realize you're making up a story because if human beings like stories. We live on stories. We invest on stories. A human being is a story-making machine rather. All right. And... That's what hindsight bias is. Everything happened in the past. Is there has to be a story about it? Like you missed Bitcoin, the story would be like, "I knew, man, I should have invested." No, you didn't know <laughs> because if you knew it yeah. would go up, you would have invested.
0: Exactly. No, nobody because, likes to
1: say, "I don't know." Nobody likes to say, "I didn't know." People like to make and, up a story. And yeah.
0: because you feel like, okay, yeah, you said I knew, then when it falls to fifty-five, you're forced to buy because you told everybody that. I knew then go buy it now, and you, you're like, yeah, I'll go buy it now. You know, actually, my colleague who's an analyst actually said I don't partake in Tesla, and I yeah. don't partake in Tesla because I'm humble enough to realize that I can't, like, I can't figure it out. It's fine. I'm happy not being part of saying whether Tesla's overvalued or undervalued. I do this as a job, and I don't wanna, I don't wanna make a call, and it's not part of my personal portfolio. Whether I think it's a short or a long, I don't know, and I'm humble enough to say that, and and that's brilliant. Very few, yeah,
1: people... very few people say that. I don't know, or oh, I can't make sense of it. Very few, and those who say it, they get trolled and they get they get butchered. You by... will constantly get told. You will feel like
0: a king one day. You'll feel like a, yeah, yeah. like a pop the next. Stock is gonna go up ten percent. The market, you know, I remember when I called Tesla being a short at 450 and it reached, you know, now it's 650, 700. And my boss, every day after work, we would have a discussion. He's like, the market is literally telling you every day you're a fool. Your short has lost two It's It's lost about 40%. Okay. Mm. And it made me realize, like, I've not had a devil's advocate opinion. I've not asked myself, why is it going up? I've just believed that I'm wrong. I'm right. And this actually translates into the second buy that I want to talk about which is illusion of control, you know. You A lot of the times I see on my job that the people have this illusion of control. They think that because they've gathered all of this information, right, that they're superior in making calls, right? A money manager, just because they have access to Bloomberg, has built a very complicated financial model, all of these things, they think that just because of that, they have a better grasp. Of Understanding the of the trend. business and the potential ahead. Understanding the business and the potential of it, right? And one example is when you value Apple, for instance, personally, I value Apple on a completely different way than most analysts do. But for instance, taking myself out of this, you could value Apple based on the number of iPhones they sell which is very easy. You could predict the number of iPhones they sell. Or a more complicated financial model could value Apple based on all of the products that they sell and, you know, predicting what is how many laptops they sell, margins for every. And you think you're making a more educated call and you think you have more control of the business. It's absolutely not true. I mean, in the end, the mobile phones could just, just valuing Apple based on the number of iPhones could just be good enough. So yeah I think that I see this very very often on my job this illusion of control just because we've spoken to management means that we we know more but really and and and, and you see it even in in terms of people working in companies like I know somebody who's working in Apple who only buys Apple stock. And he believes that because he works in Apple, he knows what's going on around Apple. Nothing's going to go wrong. And therefore, this stock is going to be the only stock he owns. It's important to, to realize that you're making this conscious decision to not diversify away tomorrow, hypothetically. If Apple's, you know, it's very difficult for Apple to shut down. But if, App, if one of Apple's factories you know, I'm knock on wood should never happen. But if it burns down, this is something you can't predict. You could think that Apple is the greatest company in the world, but if you don't diversify away from your from your job, then if Apple burns down you lose your job and you lost your money you think you have this illusion of control but you but you're overestimating how good this company is absolutely
1: and many a time the person who finishes CFA who's not self-aware as Jay rightly pointed out will feel that because of his CFA he has a better understanding of the market and problem with that illusion of control is the Confidence with which the person talks. You see, many people who fail also have been very, very confident about their calls or, or the decisions they made. But when the calls go wrong, they're ruined. You know, they're completely ruined. Yeah, you, you'll be surprised when Apple started J Apple asked Sony to make a, a, a MP3 player. But the Sony management was so cocky All right, they were like, "No, we don't want to make a player for you." And there was there was a tip between Sony and Apple and Steve Jobs. That's true. You, I'll make my own player, and that is how you see what iPod and everything did. Yeah. But when a person like Sony was who was basically having music rights for what Apple wanted on the MP3 player, Apple didn't have music rights earlier, and because this guy had. Illusion of control, like I will decide the fate of my business and so on. And you just sometimes inside of this illusion of control do the dumbest thing, which completely wiped off Sony's business around music. So, so that's why I love Ray Dalio's approach. I, I don't know if you've read about Ray Dalio, Bridgewater Associates, one of the biggest hedge funds <laughs> in the world. And Ray Dalio says his biggest value system, all right, is radical transparency, where he wants people to tell me on my face if I screwed up, where he wants people to tell him on his face if he's wrong he takes feedback from juniors like he in the company gives a ranking and a rating to everybody in the company and yeah. you know the ranking yeah. you've got from juniors from seniors you know the ranking you get on your presentation you get ranking on your pitches you get ranking on your success rate wow it's like some people can't handle it and they leave the company but those who those who get used to it don't ever want to work anywhere because things are not transparent in many places so so illusion of control is what you see in a lot of overconfident cocky people who are not humble and not realizing that they literally could get bold or get a left tail risk from anywhere. Like COVID, nobody knew this would come. And companies that were sitting on piles of debt in so many, so many businesses in Dubai have shut down yeah, because they were running on debt.
0: Absolutely. I mean, this is just something that it's, it's one of those things, you know, and I know I see illusion of control hindsight amongst many others, but Manish, let's talk about what you see on your job in terms of two biases that you see at your job?
1: I come from a sales background and absolutely smitten by analysis uh, in the last two years. But of my entire 15 years of sales, I can, the bias that really strikes me is incentive bias. Like people do what they're rewarded for. All right. And they don't do what they're punished for. Like if I was to give you an investing example, all right, everybody's rewarded to outperform the others or the peers. And because you're rewarded to outperform others, you land up taking very aggressive calls on your portfolio or as a sales from a sales background, you're rewarded more if you do more sales. So you will try to do sales anyway. So there'll be selling. There'll be overturning of the portfolio. Sometimes you just might take a decision which is not in the best interest of the client, purely because you will do what gets you rewarded the most. And it's like Charlie Manja says such a beautiful thing. You want an and put sugar on the floor. You know, just so simple. Yeah, you know, incentives, rule people. Like, you know, look at Dubai and India example. Okay. Over here, bad driving or crossing the red signal or driving on the hard shoulder is punished so, so you don't see people doing it in dubai but look at it in india you get to reach faster and you're not punished to let you see it happening everywhere yeah so the reward is by crossing by by driving rashly or crossing the red signal you're not punished you you get rewarded by reaching your place faster and it just I, I see it everywhere man people do what they are rewarded for you know? And uh,
0: even even within the sales job, if I may, mean, Manish, like I know people who kind of, so say for instance, if you invest in a product, you get rebates and people only pitch the products that they get rebates yeah, for. Yeah. And, you know, if you get rebates out of it, you know, by the way, this is banned in Europe, but if you get rebates from it, that you should not be pitching a product that is doubting that it's better. When it's actually worse for you, you're getting charged more than you should be getting charged on that product.
1: But it gets sold purely because it makes more commission to the person selling it. So many a time when people are... Like, you know, I'm, I, I'm my, my current blog, which is going to get published by 4pm today, it's on incentive bias. Zone. And see, you know, I'll give you an example. Uh, nothing against the Institute, Corporate Finance Institute. You know, it's a recognized Institute. And they run a they run a course called FMBA, Financial Modeling and Valuation analysis or analyst post, SMBA basically. Bro, it's been sending me a mailer every 48 hours, last 10 days left, last five days left, last two days left. It reminds me of Ted Lapidus Marketing, you, you've seen Ted Lapid as a PA card, and it's on sale for the last 15 years I've been in Dubai. Yeah, like no, like normally you go on sale temporarily. This company has been on sale since the day one I came to Dubai. FM is this whole corporate finance institute. It's so it's such a turn off that every day you're sending a mail that it's two days left, four days left. That's incentive wise because you want people to act. And if you if you create the scarcity, that's what people do. The people who are listening to this podcast, people create scarcity around you. And because there's scarcity created around you, it makes you act faster. But if you were to just see through it, I mean, that that course is going to be there six months later also. One year later also, one and a half year later also. But just by saying that oh, ten 10 days to go, 20 days to go, two slots to go, it just makes people act. That's, that's incentive bias and you don't even realize you're getting played like there's this guy on Twitter Alexander Cortez he launches a course only 100 slots and then 2 minutes later 98 slots only then 90 slots only 80 slots only it's an online digital course it's gonna be on his on his website forever which I can buy for but, but I, it turns me off man you know I see it day in day out I see people trying to do it with me and everything. So that's incentive bias. You know, you're just making... You're just being rushed into making a decision purely because someone has incentive in making you do that. Yes. Yeah. Yes,
0: exactly. And, you know, it also goes a little hand in hand with with the hindsight bias, right? You have a little bit of... Because what I see is you... Even if you're not really tied in incentive to it, because I bought Bitcoin at 58, for instance... I'm telling you to buy Bitcoin because I'm incentivized. I'm trying to make you the greater fool. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to make you buy at 59 so that I don't feel stupid about the fact that I bought it at 58. You know, absolutely oh, is buying it at 59. This is a this is another way of kind of incentivize because in the end, more and more people, you know, if if somebody like I respect Chamat, for instance, right? Hmm. But Tomorrow, if Chamath had to say that I think, you know, again, for lack of a better example, I think Imar is a great company We should buy Imar. He has so much power. If he's already bought Imar at at whatever, 360 right now, he's... He has so much power. He can drive the stock to seven. And that's the level of, you know, incentive bias that's there. But people respect that. That's
1: the whole reason all these guys who are buying Bitcoin, now they have pictures on Twitter with their eyes glittering with gold. Have you seen the new pictures on Twitter where everyone's eyes are gold? Yeah. Like, it's an incentive for me to make sure, you know, I'm buying Bitcoin. So more and more people see more and more people with eyes, like Superman eyes, and then more and more people buy it. Uh, Yes. Kind of an incentive bias? Absolutely. Thor Chamat is right and Thor Chamaat may have a strong conviction. But it's in his interest also to make sure more and more people get his stand that he's bullish on Bitcoin so that more and more people may believe in the same thing he believes in.
0: Exactly. And you know, he's been buying, he's been claiming, I mean, he has been buying Bitcoin since 2013. And he's been saying... Keep buying Bitcoin," he said. "Buy Bitcoin 2019, 2020, and you know he's called for Bitcoin being hundred thousand dollars in the next three to four years. It's he's called for Bitcoin being a million dollars in the next twenty years, and people follow him. You know, with no questions asked. You have to realize that this man has bought Bitcoin in 2013. He's if he's sitting on uh, like thousand Bitcoin, even if it reaches a million, he's probably sitting on at least hundred thousand Bitcoin. But let's say if he's Sitting on thousand Bitcoin, if he's saying it's going to reach 000, 000, it's people, a million dollars, it's because people are believing him that it's yeah. worth a million dollars, and it works for him. He's going to become a trillionaire, and you know he has this way of saying that you know it's not for me. He says if Bitcoin reaches hundred thousand dollars, I'm going to convert the Hamptons to a uh, to social ho- housing, and people kind of take away from the fact that he's. It's not for him, kind of thing. And they think that he's all for the people. He's
1: all for the people and I. No, but he's a smart cookie. He's a smart to be no, cookie, no doubt. But it's an incentive bias for him for people to buy into it and for people buying into it because of his story, it's an hindsight bias for them because you don't want to be behind or you, you would also want yeah, to get the gains. You want to
0: regret. Yeah.
1: So incentive bias is a killer and it'll be great for people to develop. We're also going to talk, I'm sure we're going to talk about how you get away from all this when you're being played. And the, to come back to the fourth bias that we were covering is social proof bias. Since we've spoken about chamat okay, I will share with you a few examples of what social proof bias means. Social proof bias means you take a decision only because someone you look up, to took a decision or associated with that company. Now, when Amitabh is endorsing Just Dial in India, your whole perception is, wow, if Amitabh Bachchan is endorsing Just Dial in India, it's a damn good company for me to buy. May not be. There are many superstars associated with fantastic companies that disappear. I don't know if you remember, There, there was a company that Sachin Tendulkar endorsed. Uh, yeah. It was an investing company. All right. I'm forgetting the name. It got bankrupt in a year. Now, Sachin oh. got paid 10 crores and he walked away with it. Uh, but the company just did not sustain. So, but when you and I, what happened? Because someone you look up to endorses a company, you feel it's a great company. May not be. That, that is a very reason why you go for, social, for tips from people because you're taking a tip from someone who who is maybe playing the investing game for for many years, and you're like, oh wow, the tip he'll give me also make me successful. Well, if the guy would have made a million dollars by by his investment decisions, uh, he he, he it would show in his lifestyle. But it doesn't. You still want a tip from him because you're like, oh wow, I look up to him. He's successful, so maybe I'll also become as successful. That's social proof bias, where you're just lazy. I think that, I, I I just think people are very lazy, and that is why they land up getting getting into this social proof bias by taking a decision just because just because someone else took. So maybe it'll be a right
0: decision. No, and Manish, I see social proof bias, you know, when we have an investment committee. Uh. When there's five people, you know, so when we, to give you a little bit on the job, basically what happens is we all present a company that we've done. Like, let's say, for instance, I've presented my model and then we all sit and agree on a decision. But what happens with social proof bias is if two decisions are made saying yes, you know, the other... the next person does not want to say no.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: And I've seen this live. Like, I've... And it's... it's, You know, it's... For somebody who's a very, very contrarian thinker, very... I'm, I'm a pessimist if there ever was one. I'm constantly, like... You know, I suffer from my own behavioral bias where I automatically tell people they're wrong. Even if they're not wrong. Yeah. Like, I tell people they're wrong and then I agree with them. You know? But... But, yeah. They're, like... They're just saying, yes... Without even like, because one person said yes, it just, it's like a domino effect. Everybody else is just saying yes, without actually taking a step back and making a decision for themselves. Making a decision for, with their own kind of mindset or mind
1: or brain. Just lazy. But maybe also there, people are lazy is one. They don't want to put the effort second. Maybe also this thing plays on their mind that I want to look good. I don't want to look bad okay let me put it this way I don't want to look black sheep so let me mm. just go with the flow So you know it's like it's like in a classroom when a teacher asks you a question you will rarely see someone raising a hand but once a guy raises a hand then maybe few other people get the courage okay I may also have something to say when they are asking for answers or feedback but that, that's what social proof in a classroom setting would be you saw one person raising the hand other person also would you saw one person asking for a raise in salary maybe two other people also get a courage listen I think he's right We he also want a raise in salary Yes, but social proof uh, many a time won't allow you to do your own thinking or express your own vision, uh, and and you will always have derivative returns from other person's thinking, which may not be as much as you could potentially generate. If you could just think for yourself, if you could just express for yourself, I'm always. That's why Jay and I connected because I would talk a lot in the classroom in CFA. I would raise my hand. I would ask questions. I might look dumb, no problem. Me but too. Uh, yeah same with Jay and I guess that's why we connected so well but many a time people don't even ask for talk and, and that's no actually sick.
0: like like my girlfriend I, I'm sure there's people in the class even that are like who the hell is this guy I create so much interaction in the class to the point where you know if I take a step back and look at it it's annoying but I, like, I'll tell the professor, okay, good job, like, I understood that. Like, you know, well-explained kind of thing.
1: And and, and for some people, Jay, you and I are a nuisance in the class. Exactly, we're a nuisance. And and for some people, people, we are, like, the light of the class. And
0: for a professor, you, like, a a lot of people around you is like, who are you to tell the professor well-explained kind of thing? Dude, these professors get no feedback from the class if nobody yeah. is telling them that they've explained the concept well who is going to tell them that they've explained the concept well they may try to explain a concept in a different way and that's what I'm trying to do like I'm trying to say dude that was extremely well done it's a difficult concept you've made it seem like a piece of cake well explained like you know that's all I'm trying to do and for that you know you get a lot of criticism you get a lot of
1: yeah and, and that's social proof. But yeah, I want to I wanna express social proof also in a very non-investment related way is that when you crave for owning a BMW because the social proof is that it's a better car, you might not end up driving the car that Jay and I drive. All right? Because you will spend your entire salary. I, I had a friend, Jay, I think I spoke to you about it. His salary was 11,000 dirhams. His EMI on his BMW was 3,300 dirhams. Like wow. right? 30% of his salary would go on spending... On his BM and when he lost his job, he had no other choice but to abandon the car and leave the country. Uh, and then the car got auctioned, whatever. But isn't that, that, that social proof in the worst way? Getting a grip Absolutely. over you where you do something because someone else, because it's valued by someone else. Gucci shoes, BMW, nothing wrong with them. These are fantastic products and all. But when you spend beyond your means to buy stuff like that, that's where social proof has got a grip over you and will make you take a very irrational decision which will not be good for your finances. Exactly. And we see, it play, we see it playing out all the time.
0: Exactly. Very well said. No, very well said.
1: Okay. Just to just to make a note, Jay and I don't drive 20-year-old Kia. Okay? We have very decent, you know, cars. But, uh, no, I have,
0: uh, I'm, a, I'm a car guy. You know, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a car guy. I, I drive a very nice car. Okay? It's a beautiful Mazda MX-5 and i just want to touch on this a little bit because i love cars and i've i've had people in my own company that have told me you know this is such a nice car how can you afford it imagine somebody telling you like how can you afford this car but like people don't realize how much research analysis i've done to get this car you know, this and is the a deal, sports car
1: research Kudos. and the deal behind it you got Yeah,
0: exactly. And this is the same cost as buying a Honda Accord. Yeah. Just because it looks nicer and, you know, brand new, it's worth a lot of money. But, dude, I I spent six months hustling my way through this deal to get this car, what I got it. Granted, you know, after that, other things have been expensive about the car, you know, insurance has been expensive. Yeah. And other things come up. But, but but
1: but it's still, you're not spending beyond your means. So it's a sexy car and the perception value is great. Dude, my but to to on the car
0: is 1,300 rums. That's how much your yeah. Yeah. I want to call it. Yeah,
1: I drive a fully paid uh, Passat, BW Passat. But uh, people tell me, why don't you drive a BM? Because I got banker friends, they're driving a BM QA. Is the car, I'm driving the car for one hour. In fact, not even one hour technically in the whole day. And to spend $1,000 on it, on a monthly basis, I really would rather buy how I many stocks of Twitter will like it? That's my second biggest holding, sixty dollars. I'll get one hundred and fifty stocks of Twitter rather, yeah. On a monthly basis, I don't mind yeah. accumulating Twitter on a monthly basis instead of instead of accumulating a car, which is a liability because it's going to lose value. Instead yeah. of, uh, but but if you don't realize it's a depreciating asset, uh, it'll be very easy for yeah. one to get smitten by it hundred thousand dollar car exactly well but if like jay yeah, i get a hundred thousand dollar car for a thirty thousand dollar or forty thousand dollar deal i don't mind picking it up you know i gotta do research like jay yeah, i guess
0: no i mean it's honestly it's not research it's just a lot of passion it's something that i in my free time i i just look at cars my housemate and i my housemates a car salesman. we've been best friends you know, since for the last 14 years, maybe longer. And we bonded just based on cars. And uh, and yeah, oh, we don't do business and we just find cars and we ask each other how much is this worth. And yeah, that's our STEM. Anyway, yeah, I think it helps to understand, Manish, how we can kind of overcome this. We've agreed that we all have our own behavioral biases, but how can we overcome
1: it? So bro, there are many biases we just spoke of four but to be able to deal with these biases there are four things that one got to do and and one of the most important things for for one not being able to succumb to these biases you got a journal Yeah, the first thing I I believe is you got to journal before you make a decision. You got to journal, like if you were to journal pros and cons, let's say you're buying a stock. Okay, what are the pros? Which means you got to have done some research around it or you're buying an ETF or you're buying a mutual fund or you're buying a BMW. What are the pros? What are the cons? I'll tell you it is very, very likely that the very fact of taking 10 minutes out and writing it out is going to be. Better for your money and your growth of that money instead of taking a rash decision which is emotional based. You know, like if you were to go, I remember when I bought Jaguar when I, when I, Seven years back, when I was to drive Jaguar, Jay, I entered the Jaguar showroom. They gave me a deal. No regret, I bought the car, all right. But I'm just saying they gave me a deal. I just couldn't refuse. It was just a sexy deal. And I took an emotional decision. And I swiped my card. And I bought the car. I called my wife. And I showed her the car. And then in a few days, we had the car. You know, we asked to come to the showroom and pick it up. And I drove it for three years. It was a sexy machine. But when I look back, all right, I really don't think I would have bought it if I would have sat down and written it first. Like do I this even... is for you.
0: My housemates a Jaguar salesman. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I love the Jaguar. Example. It's a sexy. But the thing is, after some point, I would say that I started this four years back, that anything I do, I really want to first write down about it. And then i land end up taking a decision. And Jay, I'll tell you what, just this habit has saved me thousands of dollars which now goes into investments instead of going into stuff yeah. like earlier years where I would just spend it on anything.
0: But it's also important, you know, this comes back to our previous podcast. It's 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 good to have like a wants budget. You know, you don't want to be kind of feeling that you've controlled yourself too much. And the way I do it personally is that allocate a certain percentage of my salary towards a wants budget so I could afford for instance a macbook right now but instead of doing that I build it up I I accumulate something into a wants budget to the point where I'm able to kind of buy it you know if I want a nice pair of shoes even if it's 3,000 dirhams I'll buy it but I'll buy it after you know like I bought a pair of shoes after years of saving for these shoes every month I was putting away 150 drums and then I bought the shoe a lot of people could you know buy the shoe right now why not yeah um, I, I I I love shoes and if, if I had that if I didn't have that level of discipline I would just buy it now I mean I could, I could yeah it, and, and I
1: tell you, Jay the b- best part of doing this budgeting thing by the time you're saving it maybe six months down the line you realize that I don't need it. Yeah. Many times many, many it happens. numerous yeah. Yeah. You know,
0: And one quick example is, is the fact is my iPhone. My iPhone is four years old. Actually, three and a half years old. And before this iPhone, you know, because my dad and my mom would, would give me phones, I used to have the latest iPhone. I would always have the newest iPhone. Until it mm. became... Until I started... Like, actually, even this phone was the last iPhone my dad gave me. It was... I'm not paid for this iPhone. But now I'm like like I it, it works perfectly. It's still an iPhone yeah. ten. I got my iPhone ten the first week it came out. Now there's an iPhone twelve. But I'm just like, I, I really don't need a new iPhone. And there's things playing in the back of my mind, like, oh, you've had it for three and a half years, it must be bad. But it's not. It literally works. Yeah. I, 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 guess,
1: I guess the only reason you would have bought an iPhone new one if you were smitten by social proof where other people value iPhone 12 more. And if yeah. you did not have a grasp maybe you would have bought it. But you didn't because you realize you know you don't want to be given into a bias. Just my boss
0: still uses his iPhone 6, man. Like, yeah, amazing. I mean, the, bro, the, my father the guy, uses
1: iPhone 3, bro. It still works fine. Sorry, who uses an iPhone 3 my my father-in-law yeah. it's an iPhone 3 still works fine you know it's 3s if I rightly remember or three I, I, but it's a pretty old one which was one of the ones that my wife was using ages back but it works fine you know it just he just needed it for whatsapp and calls, and it works fine
0: exactly and like you here are complaining that your iPhone runs out of battery. like and by the way mine does that's a different topic for another day but this is what Apple does to you but I just bought a new battery for my iPhone
1: and it's back to working like a beauty. So sometimes just to connect to another trick, all right, so that you don't give in to these biases is wait. Budgeting makes you wait before you decide. Journaling makes you wait before you decide, all right. Like I was at Virgin yesterday at Dubai Mall and I had, I've decided... You know, maybe six months, nine months back, do uh, not. I would, say, decided. But I thought about buying myself an iMac, 27-inch iMac, all right, for my house. And yesterday, and but I didn't buy it. When I had formed up my mind, I wanna, I wanna buy it, all right. Yesterday, I'm at Virgin in Dubai Mall. I didn't buy it. Like my MacBook Pro works fine. I use it for my blogging and surfing works fine. I'm on the system for two to three hours a day on my Mac system. And I'm like, like, I can buy it right now. But but I didn't. So that's 6,500 dirhams, which did not get shopped, which did not get spent yesterday. And because it did not get spent yesterday, it'll get invested coming Monday. But you know, just the very fact of waiting... Waiting is another trick in the book. Don't take a decision right now. Like you've decided, yeah. you've thought of buying something, just wait. Give yourself maybe 24 hours. Exactly. Maybe maybe it might just result in half of your things you're not spending on. Exactly. Or, 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 or getting getting into bias-driven decisions by investing in a stock on a tip or by investing in a course because someone said two days left, or by you know, getting into a salesman trick of, of a deal that you know, deal to die for type.
0: And, and one last point before we end, I think we should, you know, always have a devil's advocate. You know, I people do. in my team make fun of me for saying, you know, I always use the term just to play devil's advocate. People hate me for that. My team hates me for that. And I know this. Anybody on my team listening to this call, I mean, listening to this podcast, they hate me for that. Because I'm always saying just to play devil's advocate. Even if I complete, even if it's my own company that I'm pitching and everybody's agreed with me already I will be the one to say it just to play devil's app because I want everybody to think of the worst case scenario I'm inherently for me this behavioral bias does not apply to me because I am inherently a pessimistic person I have another behavioral bias which is kind of like regret you know I always think it, it will go wrong I believe that everything will go wrong you know I have this it's mm. unfortunate but because I've been through so many wrongs in my life, I have. Yeah, I have this illusion that everything's going to just go wrong. And you know, if somebody tells me that the stock's going to go up fifty percent, I'm like, that's bullshit. You know, yeah. and it's just it's a very blanket opinion that's not that shouldn't exist, but it exists. And if anybody tells me that, then I will keep questioning them why. And I have pitched companies myself that are supposed to make fifty percent, but I always say, guys, if we Change the margins down by one percent instead of up by one percent. This is what it will do to the fair value of stocks. I want to say that this is what can go wrong, but it's very important to. To have a devil's advocate in the room? Or if you can't, you know, play devil's advocate to your
1: own thoughts. So I would I would say one thing over here, Jay. Playing devil's advocate to own thoughts sometimes can be very difficult because naturally human beings believe in optimistic scenarios. We all believe in stories that are better than today. That's why you need someone like Jay. Who might poke holes in your story? You need someone who might make you think harder. You need someone who might have a stand which is difficult to break through. Uh, it might just make you work harder on on your on your on on the narrative you build for taking that decision. Like my wife, there before I buy anything. Okay, which is in excess of $500, I got to discuss with her. And many a time in the first two minutes, I've, I've, re- I've realized that it's just not going to go anywhere. I just, I think yeah. makes sense that I'm not buying it. Bro, my wife is my CFO. Usha, you know, shout out to her. She's never going to listen to this podcast. But 90% of my decisions, she will poke holes in. And I realized she's right. Yeah, but my I girlfriend too. Yeah, my girlfriend
0: is the exact same. She's the exact same. And in the beginning, I was like, man, like, why do I have to have this kind of filter in my life? But she's right. She's absolutely right. Like, she's like, you know, my girlfriend is the most, for a cab ride, she will be like, this is like an unnecessary expenditure of
1: money. And And for me, yesterday, like yesterday, yesterday I was buying a watch for my for my cleaner in my house. Who lives in a house only in Bombay, and I'm going to Bombay on Thursday night. And the watch costed me one twenty bucks. And the first comment my wife made, Manish, are you sure you want to spend that? Now it's not about the money. It's not about the money. One twenty is nothing, but. I like it that she always makes me think so that I have to, you know, reason and share with her.
0: Exactly. And and that helps. And that helps. Yeah. Like, it helps. It helps having a person who is there to rationalize. You can, you know, it doesn't have to be an argument. It doesn't have to be a fight. It's just somebody there to tell you or to ask you, like, do you need it do you want it like is it is it needed yeah and and rationalize with that level of thinking and you know it's the best thing to I've learned from I've gone from hating it to like literally being like why do I even have to tell her that I'm buying this to now loving it like I I mean not loving it but like I enjoy it like I enjoy having that level of discussion where I'm just always you know asking for a second opinion and and it's important push like to end it it's important to get a person who doesn't agree with you as difficult as it is you know manish said always have a person like me like me as a friend but you know it's it's very difficult to have somebody that, I mean, I, I can poke holes when it comes to finance and investing and and a couple of things. But in terms, I'm the complete opposite when it comes to fashion, you know, for instance. Yeah, I don't go
1: there if you're buying a luxury car. You say, yeah, go ahead,
0: bro. Let's put bro, it right. Literally, literally <laughs> my colleague is is buying a brand new car. Like, not a new car. He's, he's getting an excellent yeah. deal on a car. It's an yeah. expensive car. It's a Range Rover. It's an expensive yeah. car. But I'm like, bro, go for it it's the worst financial advice. He doesn't need financial so I guess, advice. I
1: guess, I, guess sometimes, I guess sometimes you need to pick people for different pockets. You know, maybe you could Absolutely. pick a, for investments, a person like that. Maybe for other decisions. Maybe you could have a spouse <laughs> or a friend. Or maybe if you don't have both, maybe a, a friend, uh, a family member maybe with whom you just bounce off. But a family member who cares for your growth, not just because he's a family or a cousin, who cares for your growth and understands the context you're coming from. But having someone helps. Bouncing it off. Someone helps big time.
0: Absolutely. Couldn't have solved better.
1: So guys, I guess would be it for today. We, we almost reached a quota of an hour. But it was a very interesting conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's my favorite topic, by the way, behavioral biases. I just love this topic. Me too. Me too. Us.
0: And just, you know, this is something that we studied in the CFA and... It's, it's, it's really a lot of people think it's very like especially when they have to study it think it's very boring very mundane but man it's just phenomenal it explains to you so much that that really traditional finance cannot and and if anybody wants to know more that's listening to this we can go into depth about hey, there's so much there's so much there's things like Jay in
1: fact anyone who wants to go into depth of this alright just type Charlie Manja Okay, human misjudgment. It gives you 26 biases. I don't know, Jay, if you've gone through it, but Charlie Manja Warren Buffet's partner has enlisted 26 biases a human being is uh, actually given into and it will blow your life. Jay, I showed you a book Last time, right when you met at Organic yes. Cafe, the black book. that whole yes. book is based on the 26 human misjudgment So if you were to just yes. type Charlie Munger human misjudgments, you will realize why human beings take faulty decisions, uh, and it will blow your mind to to, to what you'll read. It it was life changing for me. Amazing. So so bro, let's wrap it up. Absolute yes. pleasure.
0: As always.
1: Amazing. So wishing you a fantastic day, Jay. And guys, wishing you a fantastic day. And catch up with you in a week's time. See ya, guys.
0: Take care, guys.